1: This applies not just to believers. This applies to unbelievers, whether they realize it or not. Your very breath is a gift of God. And whether you're a Christian or not, you would not be successful in life if it weren't for God. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of the heavenly lights. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. Without God, you'd have nothing.
0: The Bible says that God has given you the gifts and talents that you have and even the wealth and accomplishments that you're enjoying. Do you boast about your accomplishments in the hope that you'll look better than those around you? Or do you give God the praise for your talents? One thing that you'll learn in the message today from Pastor Danny is that God doesn't care about how successful you are. He only cares about you and he wants to have a relationship with you. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark chapter 10 as he begins his message, Childlike Faith.
1: Mark chapter 10, verse 13, people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. That's interesting. Obviously rebuking the parents who were bringing the children. So these parents are bringing these little children and the disciples rebuked them. We don't know exactly what they said, but I think it's safe to say they probably thought, uh, Jesus doesn't have time for this. This is not on his high priority list. I mean, there's a lot of hurting people. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. The word's a strong word. He was, he was really displeased. And he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. Now, there are some surface things we learn here. When I say surface, I don't mean that to mean unimportant. But what we want to get to is what I believe is the heart of the text. Now, one of the things you learn from the text is uh, and we've seen this in our study of Mark uh, disciples and I'm including myself disciples don't always reflect the heart of God, because we're very imperfect. And we need to grow, we need to learn. And these disciples are not reflecting the heart of God, uh, not reflecting Jesus' heart, uh, by rebuking these parents for bringing the kids. It was a common thing to want a a well-known rabbi like Jesus to simply put his hands on the kids and pray for them or, or bless them. And that's still common today in the church world. And there's a place for that. There really is significance to laying your hands on a child and saying, God, would you bless this child? It's not just words. You really know Christ. We're New Testament priests. And so you don't want to miss that, the significance uh, in the lesson of the importance of blessing children in Jesus' name. And of course, parents bringing children to Jesus. uh, One of the first things you want to do with your kids is bring them to Jesus. But let me tell you the best way to bring your kid to Jesus. You come to Jesus first. And if you come to Jesus first, you can take Jesus to your children. You don't even have to bring your child uh, to me or a formal pastor. Nothing wrong with doing that. If you know Jesus, you bless those children. You lay hands on those children. Oh, God, would you bless this child? And, of course, we learn that children are, are a priority to Jesus. They're a priority. He loves children. If you look at our children's ministry here, we've placed a high priority on children. We spent money, quite a bit of money with the artwork and, uh, and, and things. And I love it. I love it. It's my favorite area to walk through the church is the children's ministry. And hopefully you walk through there and go, we care about children. Why? Because Jesus cares about children. And one of the other things you learn from this little text, and I hope you see this. I certainly see it. To think that God doesn't have time for you That somehow there's favoritism in the heart of God. That some people are a priority, but some are not. That's just not the heart of God. God always has time for you. No matter who you are, doesn't matter your social status, doesn't matter your IQ, doesn't even matter the depth of your sin. You come to the Lord and he will will give you his time. So a lot of things we can learn from the text, but, but those to me are, are lessons you can get from the text, but not the main lesson from the text. And why do I believe that? Because Jesus takes the opportunity of the failure of the disciples. He corrects them because he's indignant about their attitude. It's not his attitude. Let the little children come to me. And so he takes them in his arms. He blesses them. One translation and one record in the gospel says he prayed for them. But Jesus now says, in light of the what's going on here, he says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And here's the main message I believe in the text. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Now I couldn't help but get off and think about the kingdom of God, but the the, the main point of the passage to me is not the kingdom. As much as I want to talk about the kingdom, because I, I so long for the kingdom of God to come. And I, I know if you know Jesus, you do too. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. I pray that pretty much every day. And one day that prayer is going to be answered. Because Jesus is coming. But right now, the kingdom of God on earth, it's here in us. But there really is a kingdom. And we've been through that weeks ago in our study of Mark. I think I did several messages on the kingdom. And it's a real place. With a real king. Jesus is a real king. He's king of kings and lord of lords. And he rules and reigns in heaven. And there's a real city. There's a capital, Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem of the kingdom. After Jesus resurrected from the dead, he spent 40 days appearing occasionally to his disciples. And he spoke about the kingdom of God. Most important decision you can make in life is in regard to the kingdom of God. Because if you're not a part of the kingdom of God, you're a part of the kingdom of darkness, whether you realize it or not. There are only two kingdoms, ultimately, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom where Jesus rules and the kingdom where Satan rules. And anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, like a little child, will never enter it. What great insight. What great truth. He says, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. Now, there are a lot of characteristics we could talk about, but I'm going to, I felt led to bring it down to three, three characteristics of little children that are synonymous with characteristics of children of the kingdom of God who enter the kingdom of God. The word for children here, it's used several places. It's used when the Magi came to worship Jesus, and he's not the babe in the manger. By the time they get there, he's in a house. We don't know how old he was. Some scholars believe he's two years old by then, but he's a small child. It's also used of Jairus' daughter, the synagogue ruler who Jesus raised from the dead, and we know she was 12 years old. So it could be an infant, could be a little toddler, uh, it could be a 12-year-old, and it's used of all those. But all those still tell us that it's a child that is dependent, completely dependent, and that's the first characteristic. I believe. Now, some, I I went online and I I read one whole message, pretty much the whole thing, by one preacher. And he talked about and went on and on about one characteristic of children being innocence. Now, don't send me an email. Let's not argue and debate over this. It's not worth debating. But I don't buy into the innocent thing. And I wonder if the guy that wrote such a long dissertation and message on the innocence of children ever really had kids. Because I'm telling you, children are not innocent. They are not innocent. Me, mine. You know, they're so selfish. You talk innocent? Really? They're sinners. So, if you want to expound on the innocence of children, do that on your own. I'm not going to do it today. I'm starting with this one absolute, complete dependence. And the second characteristic I suggest to you is just simple trust. I mean, kids will believe anything. Hey, I got a lion at the house. You want to come see him? Really? You have a lion? They'll believe you. Hey, I used to play drums for Bon Jovi. Really? Who's Bon Jovi? kids, they just trust you. Okay. Okay. Jump. Jump. I'll catch you. They just, they just are so trusting. They'll believe you. And the third characteristic I want to suggest of all that we could talk about, children have a sense of wonder about life. We were in Colorado last week, Wendy and I. place we were staying, and we stayed there many times. We have a, It's a timeshare exchange, so we go there pretty inexpensively. And uh, we're we're getting in the elevator one day, and a whole family gets in the elevator with us. And there's ages, different ages of the kids, but I think they had three four kids, I think, in the elevator crowded elevator at the time. And one of the kids, I, I'm guessing he was uh, three or four. And this little kid, the dad, I think it was the dad says, okay, push seven, floor seven. The kid pushes seven. And then the kid, after seven lights up, and we're starting to go up, seven. The kid, this little kid, he's jumping around. He's going, And seven, 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 seven. He just kept saying it, seven, 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 seven. And I know why he's saying seven, and he's so excited about it. You know why? Because floor seven is where you get to the outdoor hot tub. And he was just so excited. And the adults are like, they're excited about the hot tub, but they're not jumping around in the elevator. They're like, oh, can't wait, seven, 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 seven. But the kid, you know, he's like, ah, we're going to seven. <laughs> it's a hot tub outside. And you look out over the ski slope. Makes me want to go back. <laughs> so those are three I suggest to you. Complete dependence, simple trust, and a wonder and an excitement. Now, let's unpack that a little bit. I like that's what Alistair Begg says a lot of times, and I love Alistair Begg's teaching. So, let's unpack this complete dependence. God has been trying to teach man uh, this. Uh, Since the beginning, early on in his word, uh, he tells us Deuteronomy chapter eight, children of Israel, when you come into the land of promise, uh, you may say to yourselves, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Now, this applies not just to believers. This applies to unbelievers, whether they realize it or not. Your very breath is a gift of God. And whether you're a Christian or not, you would not be successful in life if it weren't for God. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of the heavenly lights. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. Without God, you'd have nothing. First Chronicles, David giving for the work of the temple. And David says, everything comes from your hand. We've given you only what comes from you. You gave it to us. We're just now giving it back. First Corinthians, Paul asked the question, what do you have that you didn't receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? That's why Christians especially ought to be very careful. When you score the winning touchdown, you give glory to God. Don't you get into this who's the man kind of thing. Be careful. And we've all been there. God gave us that ability. And in regard to the kingdom, well-known verses in the church, but why do we sometimes not go to the well-known verses? Say it with me. Ready? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Through faith. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the the glory of God. And are justified freely by his grace. Through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. The only way anybody is going to ever enter the kingdom of God is to come realizing there is nothing I have to offer. I am absolutely, completely dependent on God and his grace and his mercy and what Jesus did, not anything I've done complete dependence. And then simple trust. Now, this becomes a stumbling block to a lot of people. Simple trust. Let's call it childlike faith. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever goes to church and gets their act together and starts to look and act like a Christian, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the kingdom. Ephesians, you say, wait a minute, you just used this one. Yeah, but the emphasis just now is different. Not by works just now, but now, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. Through faith. This is not from yourselves. This is the gift of God. What's my job? Believe. And this is, a, this is a challenge for some people. Wait a minute, that's, all, that's it? Believe? Just trust? Now, it's another whole message. That, that's not the point of the message today. Another whole message that those who truly enter by faith, there will be evidence that they're a child of God. That's a message for another time. But the evidence has nothing to do with the entrance or the maintenance You're not saved by grace through faith and maintained by how well you do. Can anybody say hallelujah for that? I mean, come on. Not an excuse to sin, but I'm not maintained by how well I do. By grace through faith. You look at some of them that the Bible confirms are already in heaven. You wonder how in the world they get there. You look at Samson. I've taught on Samson many times. You look at the repeated failure of his life over 20 years of ministry, but he's there because he's listed in Hebrews chapter 11. He's commended as one who had faith. He's not commended very much for all the mistakes he made. Some of the greatest saints in the Bible made terrible mistakes. Just look at, it. look at David. I are you kidding me, David? murderer, adulterer, liar, hypocrite, but he's a man after God's own heart. And he learned, blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. It's by grace through faith. It's simple trust. You don't get in by anything of goodness, and you don't stay there by anything of goodness. It's all the grace of God. The Israelites, since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the end of the law. In other words, it has nothing to do with obedience. It has nothing to do with obeying, obeying a command. Christ is the end of the law. Now, some of us have heard this time and time and time again, but we need to hear it again so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes, believes. And then the third, man, a sense of wonder. Oh, Lord. Paul will occasionally in his writings break out in a doxology. And the one that I've chosen in my notes here is 1 Timothy chapter 1, and he starts out in verse 15, says, Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Paul, as Saul of Tarsus, didn't always think of himself that way. He was a proud Pharisee, a lot of religious accomplishments. In regard to the law, in regard to legalistic righteousness, he says, I was faultless. I mean, he was impressive. He says, all those things I count as loss. Not having a righteousness now of my own. Of whom I'm the worst of sinners, but for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. And then he breaks out into this doxology. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. You know what that's like to me? Seven, 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 seven. seven. And he just breaks out in this doxology to the Lord, a sense of wonder at the grace and mercy of God. I'm not excited about a contingency in the church where there's a real emphasis on intellectual advancement. And don't misunderstand me. Thank God for the men and women in the church that have great intellect. But sometimes... Sometimes when you start to learn a lot, you think you you know a lot. We better remember something. No matter how much you know, you know nothing. Just ask Job. Don't ever get to the point where you're impressed by your intellect and your knowledge of theological issues. That's why I don't read a lot of heavy theological books. Some people think I don't read them because I don't understand them. I understand them. To me, I don't I don't have time. Life is too short.
0: Thanks for joining us today on The Living Word. In this study of the book of Mark, Pastor Danny has been unpacking how time and time again Jesus showed himself as a servant throughout his life here on earth. He was a prime example of what we should strive for as we live our days to the best of our ability. Most times, serving comes at a cost or a sacrifice for those you're serving, but it's worth it in the end. Jesus exemplified this with His sacrifice on the cross, serving us in the most ultimate life-altering way. We trust that this gives you hope, perseverance, and an ambition to serve those around you in a way that reflects Jesus to others. If you want to hear this teaching in the book of Mark again, you'll find it by visiting our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. You can also connect with us through social media. Look for links to Facebook, Instagram, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way, you'll be notified as soon as we upload new videos. We also invite you to join our Bible reading program. Also, under the Resources tab at ccfstpete.church. If you're looking for a church, we'd be happy to meet you at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. All the information you need is at ccfstpete.church, along with links to join us through the live stream. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in and learning more on The Living Word.